All right. So here we go. Four chapters in 45 minutes. Yeah. All right. Can we do it? And we can do it. Uh, <laughs> quick review. Book of Mark. As we're wrapping up Mark today, it was, it's basically Peter telling John Mark everything that went on. First of the Gospels written, shortest of the Gospels. It was primarily written to the Roman Church. Uh, it was written either, depending on when you date it, either from Antioch of Syria or from Rome itself. All right. In the book, who was the first to recognize that Jesus is Lord? Peter? Eh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I got a guess. Okay, we're going next door. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a test. That's right, it's a test. See how much you're paying attention. It's the one who looks up at him put it across the Roman soldier? Nope, nope. Uh, you're getting close. That, that's, that's the last person who no. recognizes him. <laughs> the first person, the demons. When he heals, the demons say, you're the one, we know who you are. That's a trick question. <laughs> I didn't say person. I said the first thing in, in the book. I, uh, the demons all recognize him. Every time he comes up to the demon, they go, you're the Lord. And he says, you can't tell anybody. And so the demons recognize him first. Very important, because who are we writing to? We're writing to the Romans. The Romans are a polytheistic society. So the concept of demons was not unheard of there. And so the fact that the demons knew who Jesus was, you know, this is Peter and Mark telling the Romans that Jesus is the king. Who, I, who is the first person to recognize Jesus as Lord? Still not Peter. <laughs> Keep throwing that out. Let's come, let's come up here in a second. John the Baptist. John the Baptist does. Although nobody around him, rec John recognizes Jesus as Lord. Nobody else does at the, at the whole baptism, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, so the voice comes down from above, but no one really says, oh, this is the Lord, this is the Messiah. The first person in the book who recognizes Jesus as the Messiah is the Syncophoenician woman who wants him to, who's, who's not a Jew, that goes, you're the Messiah. You can raise my daughter from the dead. And so it's, so remember, he's writing to non-Jews, so it's very important that the non-Jews actually recognize Jesus for who he is. And the last person in the book we talked about is the Roman centurion, who's at the foot of the cross and says, wow, this must have been the Son of God. So the whole book is wrapped around telling the Romans that, yes, you two can be disciples, that Jesus is your king. You two can be disciples of his. You don't have to be Jewish. So I've taken just some random, as we kind of go in order, some of the stories, I hope. Here we go. And so it's chapter 12. Uh, remember, he's in the temple. You have to throw this in the culture where he's at. He's in the temple when he makes this. He's already cleaned out the temple, thrown all, and so now he's teaching. And he tells him a parable. He planted a vineyard. This, this parable comes from Isaiah. And the story, and this quote is from Isaiah. Uh, he planted a vineyard. You know, he built a watchtower. He rented some farmers. He moved away. 
very common in those days to do that. Uh, he sent a servant to collect the rent, because basically you owed them, you know, like 30% of your crops. They beat the servants and they sent them away. He sent another, they beat him. They sent another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some they beat, some they killed. Uh, at this point, every one of the here in the story is understanding that he's talking about the prophets. That God has sent all the prophets to the people of Israel. Uh, and they had one left to send a son who he sent. So he sent him, they respect my son. And they said to each other, this is the heir, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. What have the Sadducees, Pharisees, all been, and Herodians all been talking about since chapter 3? We need to kill Jesus. Because he is disrupting all our power and all our influence. And so, uh, then he talks about this Isaiah passage, and then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against him. They didn't, he didn't even need to interpret this parable. Everybody knew what he was saying at that point. He's in the temple on the week rolling up to Passover, so everyone in Israel is there. He says to speak this parable, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. So the people are loving him. Remember, this is just after the triumphant entry. So the people are on his side. He has come into the city as a king. And the, the power structure, the priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, that's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, all are saying, we got to get rid of this guy because he is threatening us. But they're afraid because he's very popular. And later they sent some Pharisees and Herodians. Remember when you see they sent some Pharisees, you're in Jerusalem, who is likely in this group? Saul. Remember, he is the student of Gamaliel, who is the head of the Halal school, who's the most popular of the Pharisees. He's on the Sanhedrin. So when you see this, there's a good possibility Paul, or Saul, as he's known, was the guy they sent. Because you think about it, in Acts, when they want the Christians to be brought back to Israel, who do they send? They send Saul. So there's a good possibility this is Saul. So when you think about the interactions between Peter and Paul later on, think about this. All that Saul had, when he thinks about all the damage I've done because of what I believed incorrectly. Uh, and so they went to catch Jesus in his words. Why? Because you want him dead. The Pharisees cannot kill people. Sanctions cannot kill people. You can throw them in jail. Can't kill them. They want him dead. Only one group of people can kill people. That's the Romans. So they're setting the trap. They, now, they, if you look back at the book of Mark, they, they set the trap all the time and he keeps walking out of it. Uh, we know that you're a man of integrity. You know, whenever you're dealing with a salesman and he opens up with that line, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm getting sold something right here. Yeah, buttering him up right there. Uh, you, are, you are not swayed by others. You pay no attention to who they are. Basically, you just told us in the temple that we're out to kill you, that we are not people of God. Uh, 
but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Huge issue in the first century. Because Jews took the first ten commandments seriously. You will make no graven image. So they did not make, even on their money, did not have graven images of people. The denarius had, had whatever Caesar was on it, on the front. And on the back, it said, uh, Caesar, a god. So, in the temple, you could not pay with denarii. You had to change it to special temple money. Now, that didn't keep the Sadducees from spending that Roman money, because they did. But they wanted it to be, you know, you had to use temple money. So this is a big Jewish issue in the first century. Uh, do we pay taxes or not? Because if Jesus said, yes, you should not pay taxes, that's treason. That gets you killed. Remember what I said at the very beginning? What all the Romans cared about was, pay your taxes, don't rebel. Jesus saying, don't pay taxes, if he says that. And so once he says that, remember you're in the temple. Everyone's going to hear it. There are the the uh, Atonia fortress overlooks the temple, full of Roman guards. As soon as they hear him say, "Don't pay your taxes," his tail ends in jail, and he's a, he's dead the next day, because that is treason. Uh, and Jesus knew of their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to track? By the way, all these guys had to pay the taxes because if they didn't pay the taxes, where would they end up? So all the Sadducees are paying taxes. Uh, they're trying to trap him. Uh, bring me to Darius and look. And they brought him. Whose image is that? Caesar's. Give back to Caesar's what is Caesar's and God what is God's. And they were amazed. So basically he walks out of this trap by just basically saying the truth. Uh, and they're trying really hard to get him with all the Roman soldiers around to say something that gets him arrested. And then another teacher of the law comes up. The fact that I, I love that Peter and Mark put these stories right back to back to back. Uh, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. Yeah, he always gives good answers. Uh, to the point that, uh, as we see at the bottom, no one's going to want him to ask any more questions here in a minute. Of all the commandments, what are the most important? Which, again, is a trap. Because what's what does every observant Jew pray twice a day? The Shema, which is Jesus' answer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Every Jew prayed that in the morning and at night. That's the that's that's Bible school answer. You know, in Bible school, whenever there's a question, you know, Jesus is just throw Jesus out. You're going to be right about 80% of the time. Except this morning, Steve's like. Uh, and the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And then I love this guy. He's talking to Jesus, who's the greatest, at this point, has thousands of people following a rabbi. And he says, well said, teacher. Great answer. Uh, the best part... This guy is probably actually an essay. He's, he's, definitely, he's definitely not a uh, Sadducee, as you see in his answer. To love, 
you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love with all his heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than the burnt offerings and sacrifices. The Sadducees would never, ever, ever say that. They would say the temple is more important than anything else. As we'll see in a little bit, the Essenes would say this. So this, this guy probably really is a, uh, a teacher who probably has just come up and heard about Jesus and is now asking questions. And Jesus saw that he had answered wisely and says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Because he is, everyone's trying to pin, just like the whole book, they're trying to pin him into a area so that they can put him in a box and say, you're a Sadducee, you're a Pharisee, you're an Essie, you're a Herodian. And Jesus, you can't put him in a box because he is Jesus. He's teaching you, like those of you who heard the sermon this morning, he is teaching you to be a disciple. Not, not to be a religious person, but to be a disciple. All right, now we jump a little bit. Uh, the Passover and the feast festival of unleavened bread were two days away. So this is on Wednesday. Uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus, secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, because the people will riot. Because there's lots of people around, he's very, very, uh, has lots of followers, he's very popular at this time. Uh, and the other issue is, the Romans, if you rioted, the Romans removed the people in power. Because what, you know, as, as a leader, pay your taxes, don't rebel. A riot is a rebellion. It gets them removed. And they know this because the previous uh, chief priest is no longer the chief priest. His son is. Because he could, could not control some things that occurred a little earlier. And so the Romans just removed him. They said, you're not chief priest anymore. Uh, and so Jesus is now in Bethany, which is a city about six miles to the west of Jerusalem. East, sorry, east, backwards, yeah, east. Uh, at the home of Simon the leper, who he heals in one of the other Gospels. It's interesting, sometimes Peter just throws people in here that, you know, oh, I know him. And this is Simon the leper. Uh, a woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume uh, made of pure nard, which is not, we were just talking about lard, and lard buckets, that's not lard, it's nard, totally different thing. Uh, and poured it on his head, and then people were indignant, uh, that's a lot of money, and basically he says, she's here to prepare me for my burial. The, again, the apostles are still not understanding that he says, I'm going to die in two days. They, they are still, I, they're at the peak of the popularity, right? He's coming to the city, thousands of people around him. He is so, he, he's teaching in the temple, thousands of people listening to him. Peak of his popularity. They're still thinking they're about to be crowned king. They are, just not in the way that they think they are. All right, now go to the Last Supper. Uh, on the first day of the unleavened bread, which is now Thursday, uh, 
Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the, to eat the Passover? Remember, you're in Bethany, Jerusalem. Population is swollen four or five times its normal number. There's not going to be any place that you can, you know, this is like uh, trying to get uh, New Year's Eve reservations on New Year's Eve. And, you know, it's like, hey, where are we going to go? Uh, all the restaurants are booked. All the hotels are booked. And uh, so he tells two disciples, doesn't say who, go to the city and a man carrying the jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room that I meet the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. And so they did. So talk, we'll come back and talk about the Passover. Maybe, there we go. Uh, where, where is this upper room? Here's Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus has been, Bethany is like about here. I couldn't find a map of Bethany. I'll just check and see. Mount of Olives is here. This is where Jesus has been teaching. Uh, this is the original city of David. This is now the upper city where the rich and elite live, uh, which is why Herod lives here, because this is uh, the first rule of civil engineering, right, is poop runs downhill, and payday's on Friday. I think that's the second part. So if you're in a city, you don't want to live at the bottom of the hill. Uh, especially Romans are really good at... Uh, water and moving waste out. But they use gravity. There is a ridge, that, or not a ridge, a gully that runs right through here. So the upper city is here where the rich live. Uh, Antonio Fortress is where Pilate is at, overlooking the temple. Herod is living here. So everybody's in town because this is the Passover. Uh, this area is the Essene Quarter. The Essenes were, we're talking about one of the four major uh, political groups. Let's go back. There we go. Uh, of the, the Jews in the New Testaments. The Essenes are separatists. Uh, John the Baptist was considered an Essene until he started some of his teaching, and then they said, Well, you're not quite. Jesus would have been considered an Essene when he starts. Then the Pharisee thinks he's a Pharisee, and then he's something else. They're separatists. All men in the Essenes are priests of the order of Melchizedek. Not Aaron. To the normal Jews, to be a priest, you have to be a descendant of Aaron. The Essenes considered going back even farther that they are priests of the order of Melchizedek. So all the men are priests. Which, what's that sound like? A lot like Christianity. We're all priests. Uh... One of their things is the temple is corrupt and beyond redemption. So they are separatists. They, they pull themselves out. And so most of their cities where they live are out in the desert, around the edge of civilization. They worship. That's not, that, that may be too weak a word uh, for the scriptures. Because a lot of what we know about this time is from the Essenes. They copy stuff. They store it. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, Cremon's uh, Scrolls are all essays. And so they, they spent, they study the Old Testament. 
they read it. You know, if you're a good essay, you may uh, spend 16 hours a day reading. It's it's a very hierarchical culture. Uh, the one thing that they uh, taught very interestingly is that Jerusalem is where the temple. That's why they keep an essay order. Is the Messiah is coming to Jerusalem, and he's coming on Pentecost. It was very interesting. Uh, and so as a result uh, they worship around meals of bread and wine very, it sounds a lot like communion they always kept in the Essene quarter they always kept a room set up for Messiah and so most people think that when Jesus is talking to them that's the room he goes to in the, in the Essene quarter is this upper room that is set up for a communion, Passover type meal reserved for the Messiah. So that makes you think that the guy who owned that room thought Jesus was the Messiah. But most, almost everyone agrees that he's in the Essene quarter when he does this. And the other reason is that carrying uh, water was woman's work. The difference is in the Essene quarter there were no women. Because that's where the priests of the Essenes were. So it was all men. So a man carrying water tells you that you're probably in the Essene quarter. And so that's that cultural overlay that we sometimes lose because we don't realize what that means. Those little words like a man carrying water means that you're probably in the Essene quarter because it's the Essenes. So that's where Jesus is going with his. Disciples do the Last Supper. And again, Mark is very condensed about everything he does. He blows through everything. You know, John, in the book of John, this will probably take like 90 verses. Luke will spend like a chapter and a half on this. Uh, we got like 10 verses here for Mark. Uh, and they have the, the last... The Passover supper, the reclining, and he says, one of you will betray me, one is eating. And then all of them ask, surely, privately, surely you don't need me. Uh, and then, you know, that Jesus is telling again, I'm going to die, and they still don't believe him. And then he, take, this is my body, you know, drink, this is the blood of the covenant. They sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives, which you saw on that map was just to the east of where they're at. Just over the, the Kidron Valley. Alright, so we're, we're going to skip because I'm running out of time. Uh, so Jesus is in there and you know we all know the story of he takes all the apostles with him, and then he takes the three farther on. Everyone falls asleep. Uh, he keeps praying back and forth. Uh, and then, in the middle of the night, the unusual part about falling asleep for this is part of the Passover ceremony is you spent most of the night up watching for the Messiah. So it's interesting that the guys who are with the Messiah, whose entire background is every time you have the Passover, you spend the night up watching for the Messiah, are with the Messiah, and they fall asleep. Not once, but twice. And so it, 
it is very interesting that you see this going on. Uh, so while they're there, uh, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared, and with him a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Middle of the night, uh, remember, this, there are no pictures in those days, there's no light, so you're just carrying torches. So they need Judas to identify Jesus because everyone looks the same in the middle of the night, right? It's, t- it's tough. So he comes up, kisses him, Rabbi, and they seized him. And then uh, I've put in the uh, red here because it's very typical in those days that the authors do not, when they do something in their own books, they don't actually say, I did this. When you read the book of John, you'll see that all the time. John, a lot of stuff happens and John doesn't say it's John doing it. Then one of those standing near, we know this from the other Gospels as Peter, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And it's interesting, that's how we know that Peter is very likely a zealot, because he's carrying a sword. I mean, that's not a normal thing in those days to walk around. Knives, yes, swords, no. Uh, we also know he's not a good zealot, because he's got a sword, the guy doesn't have a sword, and all he has to do is cut off his ear. So, you know, uh, and then we know from one of the other things that Jesus actually then just heals the guy at that point and says, you know, go on. Uh, and Jesus says, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and cap- clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temples, you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Uh, and everyone has already been fled. And then we have this little verse here. Uh, a young man wearing nothing but a linen, gar- linen garment was following Jesus. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. This is the only book this occurs in. Almost everyone agrees this is John Mark. Uh, where he's got to be under the age of 13 or so, because at 13 is when you started, you got your adult robe. So the fact that he's wearing what a child would wear, but he's also out in the, in the garden at midnight. But it's Passover, so it's not like it's... He, didn't, he probably did not sneak out of the house, because all the kids are up. This is like... Like Christmas Eve, if you spent Christmas Eve up waiting for Santa to come, all the Jewish kids are going to be up all night. So Jesus, so this is probably John Mark. So it's very interesting that John Mark probably 12 or 13 when this occurs, and this is the only comment you get in the entire book that John Mark was saw some of this occurring. And now they take him in, uh, and Peter followed him into the courtyard of the high priest. He sat with the guards. The chief priests in the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence that they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements didn't agree. They couldn't even get the guys to agree. They're paying people for their stories, and they can't get them to agree on what Jesus had done that they could sell to the Romans. Because it doesn't matter. You have to sell stuff to the Romans, but the Romans have the power of the sword. Uh, and it's unlike, this is where we get into the difference between Eastern and Western thought. Is this the whole Sanhedrin? Probably not. Uh, because we know, if you're in this morning, Nicodemus and Joseph and Arimathea are believers. It is unlikely, since this is illegal, uh, the same, because when you read the Old Testament, the rulers you have to make your rule, your rulings by daylight, 
when everyone's around so that people understand it's above board. So the Sanhedrin never met at night. Uh, so when they say the whole Sanhedrin, what they mean is most of the Sanhedrin. To us Westerners, the word whole means uh, everybody. To an Easterner, it means the majority of, enough that they can make a decision. And so Joseph and Nicodemus are probably not here, and the guys who are probably uh, more moderate. Uh, and then, so this was the guys who agreed with the priest that they should put him to death. Uh, and so they can't get anything to agree. Uh, and so finally the high priest stands up and says, are you not going to answer? And he remains silent. He, and then he asks him the question, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus says, I am. So basically it comes down to the crux of that, are you really the Messiah? And Jesus says, yes. Now, to the Jews, to say you're the Messiah when you're not the Messiah is sacrilege. And you see exactly what the priest tore his clothes. Do we need any more witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. He says he is God. What do you think? And they condemn him worthy of death. They spit on him, and they blindfolded him, and they spun him around, and then they took him to Pilate. Because once again, Jews can't put him to death, only uh, the Romans. And so very early in the morning, they made their plans. They bound Jesus and handed him over to Pilate. Now, it's interesting they put very early in the morning here. Pilate would not have been super happy to have these guys banging on his door at probably 6 a.m. They've been up all night. Uh, Pilate, I guarantee you, was not up all night. When, when you're the king, when you're the, the representative of the king, you're sleeping nights pretty good. You're not hanging out all night worried about stuff. So they're showing up very early. It's probably at dawn, 6 a.m., banging on the door of the Antonio Fortress. We need to see Pilate. And so, condensed version again. Uh, Mark condenses everything. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, you have said so. Because uh, again, king of the Jews is reason. Uh, which is very interesting because Herod Agrippa is campaigning at this exact time to be named king of the Jews by Caesar. Uh, so Jesus says he's king of the Jews. And there, there are rebellions constantly during this period of time. The guys who said they're the Messiah, that the Romans are stomping out. So again, Pilate asks, you said so. And Pilate asks, aren't you going to answer? See how many things you're accused of. Once again, they're throwing everything out, hoping something sticks. And he made no res reply. Now is it the custom of the festival to release a prisoner who the people requested? A man called Barabbas, which is, this is also interesting culturally. This is not his name. This is his uh, pseudonym, so they can't go after his family. Barabbas, Bar is son of, Abba is father. So Barabbas uh, was an insurrectionist. He basically, again, was a rebel against Rome. They get you killed. Uh, the, the crowd came up and asked for Pilate to do what he usually did. Let's give you a release a prisoner. So Pilate thinks, well, this is easy. I have this guy that everybody likes. There are thousands of people following him. He is a pacifist. 
Or I've got this horrible murderer over here that's an insurrectionist. Uh, and so interesting, when you look at the language, what he asked them is, uh, do you want to release the son of the father or the Messiah who is the son of the father? So there's, a, there's actually almost a pun going on here. Uh, and they say, give us Barabbas. Well, the priest incite them to say, give us Barabbas. Uh, and then what do you want to do with the one called king of the Jews? Crucify him. And then he said, what crime has he committed? They said, crucify him. And then Pilate is, goes ahead and sends him to crucifixion because he's worried that a riot will occur. The reason that he's worried is, again, if a riot occurs and they have to put it down, Pilate's likely to lose his job. And in Rome, when you lose your job, you frequently lose your head. They, they don't have a good retirement program. As we're old, that's right. Uh, so if he gets called back to, to Rome because he has another riot, you know, remember, there's insurrections going on all the time around here. Uh, if he has a major insurrection, you know, there are, there are 200,000, 300,000 people in, Rome, in Jerusalem. If you have a huge riot, he doesn't have enough troops to suppress it. He only has about a legion, probably, in Rome. There are, there are other legions around, we don't have to call them. If he has to call them in, he's going to lose his job, which actually, in history, is actually what happens to him. There's enough riots that finally the, the, they, he gets recalled back to Rome. And so he's, he's on rocky ground here, and so he basically turns Jesus over to them uh, and for the crucifixion. All right, so we're going to skip the crucifixion scene because I'm running out of time. Uh, it's preparation day, the day before the Sabbath. It's Friday, which is the Feast of the Unleavened which was actually the Passover, well, more or less the Passover. Because uh, this is the year the Passover is on Friday and uh, the Sabbath is on Saturday. So it's a back-to-back it's a -back, uh, festival this year. Because the Passover is lunar-related, so it moves around. So it's not always the same day. The Sabbath is always Saturday. Uh, and so Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, the Sanhedrin, and you get, you get these little, these are editorial comments from Peter and Mark. That is the day for the Sabbath. Because he's talking to Romans who are not Jewish. And so he has, you have to explain who these people are. Who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. Which tells you that he is a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, came boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Because usually, uh, crucifixions, you can last two or three days on the cross. And so, uh, remember, Romans used crucifixion not as their standard uh, execution, but when they wanted to send the simple. So, they, it's, they, they crucified him at crossroads, and they made sure they put him on a cross, and they put troops, some troops on him and said, no one cuts him down, because they're dead. And they wanted them to live as long as possible. Because that's a really strong message to everyone passing by. Don't break the law. 
Uh, and so he's already dead. So uh, he summons a centurion. Uh, just prior to this, this is the same centurion who's there when Jesus dies. He says, surely this is the Son of God. Uh, and so, if Jesus already died, he learned that he was, so he gave the body to Joseph. And we know from the book of John that Nicodemus was with him. So it's Joseph and Nicodemus from the Sanhedrin. Come to Pilate, take Jesus' body down, wrap it, uh, and put it in a tomb cut out of rock, and they rolled a stone against the interest. And Mary of Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So they know. So the disciples, all the disciples, have all scattered. Uh, so you got the women left. The women know he's buried. Uh, and when the Sabbath was over, so we're talking Sunday morning now, because you can't. Get, the Sabbath's actually over Sunday on Saturday night, but you can't see anything. So you gotta wait till the sun comes out. Uh, Mary, Magdalene, Mary the mother of James. This is James. For those of you who memorized uh, in elementary school that the sing the song, this is James the Less. Uh, the other James, who's the apostle. Uh, and Salome brought spices that may go anoint Jesus' body. Uh, they, they ask each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Big stone, very common, heavy. They're, they can't do it. And they saw the stone very large was rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. I don't know why they said disciples and Peter. Uh, he is going ahead to you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembled and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They had nothing more to say to anyone because they were afraid. Alright, in your Bibles, it probably says right now, this is where the original book ended, or something similar to that. Which is probably true. Uh, it's very interesting. You read, I was reading N.T. Wright on this, and he says he thinks there was a uh, another addendum that got tore off the original scroll. Remember, they wrote these on scrolls. They got tore off. And so sometime in the late first century, they added on the part that's in our Bible that actually looks just like the other Gospels. Uh, but almost everyone agrees that the book is either supposed to end right here or there's a very small amount that was torn off and then added a totally different section added in. Uh, because this is not unusual for a book, a, a Roman book of this era, to end abruptly. Because... From the very beginning, what Mark is saying is Jesus is the king. There's only two responses. You can either accept him and be a disciple, or you're afraid and run away. And so, if you think how this books, how this book ends, if it ends here, that's an appropriate ending for the book of Mark. I heard someone say that the end Peter part perhaps was because of the denial. Yes. Because the fact you had Peter two chapters before this denying Jesus three times, which very well could be. And, and remember, Peter's basically writing, dictating this book of Mark, or telling Mark the stories that Mark puts in this book. 
Sometimes, you know, you know, you know, the statement is better to ask uh, forgiveness than permission. That's kind of what happens. And, and it also has to do with the importance of the person uh, and how much disruption it causes. Uh, so, yes, they stoned Stephen. They, that was against the law at the time. However, if there's not a huge disruption to society, they're probably going to find them or they'll do something. It's the Romans. They'll come up with the tax for it. They, they, they taxed everything. And so I could just see Pilate going, yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's worth about blank. And the, the Sanhedrin had to come up with money. Jesus is a much larger figure. And so his death, without the Romans doing it, would be hugely disruptive. And to the point that you had riots occurring. So the Roman when the Romans' response is very is variable depending on kind of the important person that you kill. Uh, so Stephen, who is just kind of a from a Roman standpoint a minor character, he's just you know he's a servant of church. They're they're not going to go nuts. But killing Jesus, who's a rabbi who has thousands of people following him, who may in fact lead to a riot, is a big deal. So that's why they make, they make sure that they have the Romans killed. And so yeah, it's a uh, it's basically a, a matter of scale of importance. I mean, not not a lot of people outside the church can tell you who Stephen was. And so I don't think the Romans would not have been happy, uh, but they would they would not have necessarily. So, yeah, it, it's a very different. Yeah, I, I was thinking about 
when the people walked over with their weapons and everything and people scattered or they leave. I'm just thinking, wondering how many yeah, there I mean, probably were. Prob probably 12. Uh, the, the fact that he says the disciples prepare the dinner and the women aren't preparing the dinner tells you that the women are probably not around. Again, culture. Culture, the women would prepare the dinner. So the women are probably, all the people fought are probably back in Bethany. And that he goes into the city with the 12 would be my guess. Maybe maybe some extras from Bethany. We know Matthias and uh, he's the other one that loses, loses the uh, lots and Matthias. There are some other people around that have seen that are key disciples. So maybe the 12, maybe 20. Probably well, not much more than that. Aren't there that are nervous after me? Worrying about what's going to happen. There, there's a bunch. Yeah, there's several. There's several in the room. Sunday morning. Sunday morning, then uh, I think it's in Matthew. It talks about you know the women are banging on the door and saying, "You've seen Jesus." And I said, "No, you, no, no, you, you can't. You're wrong because he's crucified." Uh, so yeah, there, there's probably there's probably several different sized groups. Uh, the Mount of Olives is not a big group because of the fact they all scatter and the fact that you know. You can, you know, even at night, you know, carrying a torch around, you can't have his normal group of, his normal group is probably in the 50 to 100 range. That's his core disciples, and then you've got the thousands of followers that show up to things. Torch is the middle of the night and early in the morning, so you've got 250,000 people on the Temple Mount. Yeah. They would have gone to Zurich. If they had done it Plus, these people have been up all night. It's a full moon. Right. And they walked around all night watching. Well, so no one was awake till probably 10 or 11. Right. So all that's happened in the dark. Right. They're, sneak, they're sneaking all this through because, like I said earlier, they were concerned that there's going to be a riot. Because he is very popular, we can't arrest him in the temple because there's too many people falling. So I mean, he was very popular. And then, you know, once the crucifixion occurs, then everyone scatters because you realize, oh, he's dead. And again, they don't recognize it. a lot of what you see here. They don't recognize until after the fact when they're looking back and go, oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant when he said that. Oh, that's what he meant when he said that. Yeah, you know, this is 20 years, or at least 20 years after the fact that he writes this. All right. So there is the book of Mark. Yay. Good job. And I think uh, Andy, I, and Angus are coming back for the book of Luke, starting in February. The elders teach in the month of uh, January, and we're coming back in February. So, the book of Luke, all about meals. My favorite books. <laughs>